Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. I just want to ask one quick favor before we jump into this episode. You know, I've been organically growing this podcast for over five years, and I need your help to keep the momentum going. There's two things you can do. One is leaving a five-star rating on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Spotify is a lot easier. You'll see the rating button right at the top. Apple Podcasts, you have to scroll down the page a little bit, and you'll see a write a review button. Additionally, if you want to share this out with your audience on your social channels, text it to a friend or colleague or family member, whatever you have to do to pass this along to individuals that you find may need the help and may be looking to get started. So either of those things or both of you like would be appreciative so I can get this podcast out to more individuals and we can help more people get started and move in the right direction to a more happy and fulfilling life. So thanks again for your help and grateful to have you here on another episode. Let's get it started. On this week's episode, I welcome in Mike Lewis, who is the author of the book, When to Jump, If the Job You Have Isn't the Life You Want. And this inspirational book lays out the jump curve, four steps to wholeheartedly pursuing the career of your dreams through experiences from a variety of people who have jumped and never looked back. When Mike was 24 and working in a prestigious corporate job, he eagerly wanted to leave and pursue his dream of becoming a professional squash player. But he had questions. When is the right time to move from work that is comfortable to a career you have only dared to dream of? How have other people made such a jump? What did they feel when making that jump? And afterward, Mike sought guidance from others who had jumped and the responses he got from a banker who started a brewery, a publicist who became a bishop, a garbage collector who became a furniture designer, and on and on, were so clear-eyed and inspiring that Mike wanted to share what he had learned with others who might be helped by those stories. First, though, he started playing squash professionally. And I was inspired by reading this book by Mike. And as I was almost a couple of chapters in, I reached out to him and said, Mike, I'd love to have you on the podcast to uh, share your journey and kind of talk through this a little bit further. So appreciative of Mike coming on the podcast. I hope you all enjoy this conversation I had with him. And without further ado, please welcome in Mike Lewis. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you, dude. Oh, it's great to be here, Brian. Yeah, I'm excited to chat with you. You know, it's always nice. I mean, you know, I read a lot of books. If we talk five years ago and prior, I hadn't I read almost any books, but I've read a ton of books over the last five years. Um, and, and you know, your book here, When to Jump, dude, is it's really good. Um, I, I recommend it to everyone listening and, uh, and obviously put it in the show notes and stuff. But it's funny. It's so interesting we're talking today. I've actually, you know, obviously I'm in this period of, you know, looking to jump and I, and I have been and, and trying to make some smart decisions around it. But I've actually had two conversations over the last three days with best friends of mine that are in a similar position that want to jump. So it's kind of funny that we're having this conversation because it actually comes up a lot with a lot of the stuff I do around just get started. Just people that are, whether it's fear or, you know, other people, you know, telling them not to do stuff or whatever it is. So anyways, I want to get into all that. Um, can I start with a, just a very, uh, I, I, I want to see where you take this question because I'm kind of curious with all your kind of years doing this and yourself jumping. Uh, why do some people jump and some people don't? Have you figured out a, a silver <laughs> bullet to that answer? Oh, man, it's starting us up hot uh, in minute four here or three. So, um, you know, first of all, thank you again for having me. I think it's awesome what you're doing and, and I'm grateful to be part of the community. Uh, <clears throat> The reason why people do or don't jump, uh, I 
I think that I think there is something within each of us that that sits deep within our conscience or our stomach or in our gut, our mind that that tells us of a little voice. And, and my book gets into this, which is kind of the first phase of making the jump is actually responding to it. So I, to start with, I actually think everyone has that voice in some way or another. And a voice can be very different for you. It could be start a Fortune 500 company. For my voice, it could be, you know, uh, learn to play the guitar on the weekends or, or, or learn how to bake. And so there's just a lot of different kind of breadth and diversity. That's okay. But I think it's fundamental to the human condition to want to respond to it. So then the question is, as you said, why do some people do it? Why do some people you know, don't? I, I think what we are led to believe is that it's a matter of money or time, things that we just don't have. But there are so many cases. And look, my book has 43 examples, but you could find thousands like I did when I was thinking, as I sat in my cubicle, whether I should jump or not. There's really a case for every type of person, every life circumstance. So I, you know, my hot take, I guess, to the answer would be when you're too afraid of the unknown, uh, you don't jump. And and I was, you know, within whiskers of, of, of submitting to that fear. Mm -hmm. And so I can see what that path certainly could have looked like and why it's very tempting to stay on what you're doing. Because you know when you don't jump what you're getting by staying. And if you do jump, you know you're giving up, but you don't know the unknown. And so I think for that equation to work, it means you have to be, okay, I'm accepting the unknown. I'm going to leave something that's comfortable, salary, but also lifestyle, yes. social norms, what I tell people I do at cocktail parties, like all these little things actually matter. Then it's like, can I give all that up for something where I don't know the, the right, I don't know what that's going to equate to dollar wise, success in other terms wise, lifestyle wise. And so I think the people who don't jump ultimately say, you know what, Brian, like, I don't, that's too scary. I, that's not worth it to me. And, um, and the people who do jump say, that's scary. I don't know it, but I'm going to go forward anyway. Well, do, do you find it interesting too? like, I, to that point you talked about, like people kind of know what they're getting into if they stay where they're at, but in some rea reality, like they don't, right? Because they can get laid off next month. We're seeing this a lot, obviously, with the current, you know, economic conditions and or something else can happen in their life. Like we don't know. So it's always interesting yeah. to me is like, is that always the safest play? You know, we think it's the safest play because we are grown up, maybe similar to you is like get a job, work your way up the corporate ladder, have a family, be safe. You know, the whole Steve Jobs quote, don't bang into the, the walls type thing. Um, so that's something, and, and as we're talking about this, actually, I, I bookmarked a couple things in the book if I could read. Yeah. Because when you mentioned the unknown, it reminded me. So I had this actually, I've been, I don't know, do you do this with books? I like highlight in there. I don't yeah. know. I started to what do that. What part is highlighted? So this is where it says, this is at the near the end where it says, if I were to draw a Venn diagram with two circles, one that included everything I'd feared most before jumping and one that showed everything I most value from the experience of having jumped they would perfectly overlap under one label, the unknown. The unknown is what nearly convinced me not to jump and is what ultimately delivered the people, experiences, and lessons that made my jump experience special to me. The unknown is where I found my luck. Do you remember writing that? That's, I believe that's your words. Yeah, yeah that's, at the end <laughs> that, that's funny because that, that text I vividly remember writing and, and it actually is the, the idea behind a literal Venn diagram that I drew and I, I, the book is now required reading at Stanford graduate school business, the MBA mm. program. 
And every year I go up and that's one of the main slides is a, is a Venn diagram based on that exact piece, which is, is that, is that perfect overlap? And that's, that's what I was alluding to. You nailed it. Thank you for, for, for saying it. It's that feeling of like, you know, well, I don't know what could happen to me. And yet going into the jump, what I saw time and time again is the best thing is that special sauce, that lucky break. It was right around the corner, but it was, that corner is the unknown. So you have to kind of, it's, it's what is can create paralysis and what also can break you free, which is a little bit un, unique. Now, given everyone's story is different as we're talking about, right? Everyone has different circumstances and ages and whatever they're at. Is there, are there things, you know, I, I wrote a couple of notes down here, but I'm curious kind of your thoughts of like with your jump, I think if I remember it took like 18 months, right. From kind of start to finish of actually making the jump, if I recall. Yeah. But are there anything like if someone's right now l listening in, they're like, God, I, I don't like my job. I want to do something different. Are there certain things you'd say, Hey, these are some boxes you should look to check to be able to get yourself on that path. Oh, I mean, a hundred percent. It's funny when you say 18 months, I was just thinking to myself, well, in some ways, yes, but in some ways it was 10 years. I mean, the book starts when I was like a kid. Yeah, true. Thinking about, you know, so there's like, there's a massive slope. And I think that's really important for folks to think about is that if you're ex not excuse, if your legitimate reason is student debt or mortgage or kids tuition or whatever, there are people who jumped at 64 years old or 44 years old or 24 years old. And so the things that I would really block out of the way, which again, go with the framework from the book is after you have that voice in your head, first of all, make sure it's something you want to do full time to fully go into your jump or, or, or really explore it. In other words, to the extent you can without taking any risk. So there's a guy, Dan, Dan Canary in the book that describes listening to the voice that he had and following it in several ways that seemed interesting, getting a professor being a finance person, being a beer maker. And he actually took on these little kind of steps as fast as he could, as far as he could on his nights and weekends before he actually said, I'm going to go do the beer making piece because he could actually get a sense for what it felt like to do it full time. And he, I believe it was him who told me something very funny. It's like a lot of people want to be a rock star, but you don't realize that being a rock star, 99.9% .9 of it is like, packing the bags, coiling up the wires, like staying in motels. Like that's not actually a lifestyle most people would want to do if they had to go get immersed in it. Yeah. And so I think step one is like, get a sense of what it is you're actually going to go do while you can. You know, Barbara Harris was the first female bishop in the Anglican church in the world. She's in the book and she was doing PR in a corporate gig because she had bills to pay. She had a family she was raising. So nights and weekends and once a month, she would volunteer and then slowly became twice a week and then three days a week and then switch. And so especially today in this era of the great resignation, you know, this book was written in 2018. Today, it's like you can really manipulate schedules and work remote and do this and that more so than you think. And even if you can't, you still have your weekends and you can find 10 minutes a day. So that's what I tell people is find those 10 minutes a day where you say, okay, I'm going to sit at a coffee shop. I'm going to pour a big mug of coffee and I'm going to whiteboard and i'm going to start sketching out what i can do to learn more about my task the second piece is to then say what can i do well before i jump to make it financially feasible because if we're being honest the money is a huge component for everyone as they think through these things so that's where it gets more tactical that's the second phase of the framework which is to make a plan that's about literally getting in a spreadsheet and being like here's what i can save up here's how much this jump costs here's when i can do it 
Here's when those paths cross. That's in nine months. I'm going to start saving. I made an I made a bank account that just kept my money that I was going to use to go play pro squash because I was like, I need a full savings account. And I and that's what 18 months would get you is enough savings for me to take the jump. So everyone's different, but I, you know, it's it's like 99% of the of the juice is is kind of squeezed before you jump. Yeah, and well, and and you mentioned something too there, which was interesting around. Because again, the subtitle, right, is if the job you have isn't the life you want. And you think about like lifestyle, like a lot of folks will take a new job because it pays 10% more, even 20% more salary. But at the end of the day, it's actually funny. I was talking when I mentioned at the beginning, one of my friends that's kind of like thinking about changing and and doing some freelance work and, and maybe kind of building a business on the side. He was like, yeah, but there is a job. open. He doesn't really like the job he has right now. So he's like, hey, the, there's a job opening at somewhere else. But I said, dude aren't you going to have to go on site with that job? You've been working remote for a few years now. And he was like, ah, that's right. And it's kind of like, yeah, you might make some more money. It might, you might be a little bit quote unquote happier with the, your managers or whatever, but now all of a sudden you're changing your lifestyle. So it is important to kind of think about where do you actually want to go that you talk about that plan? Like where do you really see yourself or kind of your life to, to bring happiness, maybe or more fulfillment. And then you can almost backtrack from there. Would you agree with that or add anything to that or? I think that's exactly right. I mean, it goes to the guitar piece where it's just kind of like, you know, what is the things you're solving for, you know? And I think there's, there's this idea that's like, once I get this, I'll be happy. It's like, think of the, like you said, that what is the lifestyle you're solving for? What are the kind of things you care most about? Is it time with your kids? Is it to live outdoors? Is it to be in a big city? Is it to get to eat out every night? Like, what are those things? And a lot of times that's not a jump to a, career because guess what jobs are jobs and jobs can have good parts and jobs almost everyone in fact i would say everyone has parts you don't really love so you have to kind of know the lifestyle you're stepping into and solve for that and i had a professor in graduate school who was like if you want a 10 out of 10 on flexibility a 10 out of 10 on pay a 10 out of 10 on on you know agency and kind of being creative entrepreneurial you can't find all those tens in one job. It's actually like a matrix. You find a 10 out of 10 in one job, but it's job A. Job B might give you a lot of flexibility, but not great pay. So that's job B. Job C might be like really great kind of entrepreneurial aspect, but it's not great on pay and it's not that flexible. So the point is, is you kind of have to architect your, your life around a vision of like, what can a job get me or what can this new jump give me? And what I found so astounding is that that's not necessarily like, oh, it's this job, I need to go be a potter or I need to go, you know, you could have that dream, but a lot of it's just like, I want to have agency. I want to have control over my days or I want to make enough to retire or I want to, you know, just setting goals for yourself that oftentimes kind of blur the line between jobs. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. I, I just, that's one of the things that was at least important for me, maybe for yourself too, is like thinking not so much of like the the definite, like, oh, I got to be a CEO or something like that. But like, yeah, these are the things, like, like one of the big things for me is I want to take my son to school every day and I want to pick him up from school every yeah. day. Like that's huge for exactly. me, right? So working remote really helps me do that or being able to work my schedule, you know, and some folks don't have that luxury. Not that they haven't, you know, tried to do that, but maybe they haven't thought and said, hey, this is something important. They have other things that are important. But I think that's one of those is kind of the prioritization list that sometimes we forget, 100%. you know, we forget 100%. to put the priorities together. Hey. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. It's funny you say the, the, the kids to work, kids picking up, because like I hear that all the time. And I have a very good, uh, you know, I know, I know folks very well that are um, 
from different parts of the country where that's just more mainstream and and where it's more part of what you want. And I was talking to friends who like, you know, their their parents, if, they don't even remember what their parents did for work, but they knew they were back, you know, for lunch or they were back at, at five o'clock every day. They were dropping off at school. And so like, we all think of success differently. And I think if there's anything that's really changed in the last few years is this kind of reckoning with like, how do we spend our time? How do we spend our lives that came with COVID? And many people, you know, not everybody, but a lot of people were were, were kind of brought to a standstill and were, were working from home. And, and I think it kind of created this like reset of like, well, what really matters to me? What do I most care about? And so I think you're totally spot on. Like it's, it's a kind of like, how do you want to feel? What windows of time do you want to open? What role do you want to play in your kids' lives? Mm-hmm. And being okay that like, there's going to be a bunch of stuff that comes from that, that like, you know, that shuts doors, right? Like you being in North Carolina, being able to do this with your son and have this, like, that means you're not going to go do X, Y, and Z. And that's okay mm-hmm. if you're playing true to like what your priority lists were. Yeah. And I, well, I think this is a good transition. I want to read, I have a couple of these things, like I said, blocked yeah, out yeah. here. I want to read another a, a, expert so here. Honored. Well, because I think this is actually a good transition to, to do this. Maybe it's a, a small off ramp. And this was, uh, El Luna had said this, should is all of the expectations and obligations that we feel other people put upon us while must is our intuition and deepest knowing. And it kind of goes to what we're just talking about is like, we have to be the ones to accept this is what I want to do. Not, you know, my mom says I should do this or, you know, Sally down the street says I should do that. How much, I guess maybe, and, and you were what in your early to mid twenties when you made that, that big jump how much influence was the other people talking? Did that maybe sway you or make you, you know, kind of nervous about the jump? Like, did you have a lot of people supporting you or did you have, did you have some naysayers as well that try to knock you off yeah. the, the pedestal, I guess? I mean, it's, in some ways, that's why I wrote the book. I mean, I, first of all, I was super lucky. I had family that supported me. I talk about that in the book. Like my parents were like really very pro, like go, you know, go do your thing. And they heard me talk about wanting to play this, random sport, you know, uh, chase it around the world, make no money, quit my job. Like that's pretty terrifying as a parent, particularly of a parent where you just invest in your kid's education. They just start off in the world. They got a job in finance. Like, you know, that that's like a lot to give up at 25 years old with no guarantees that it's going to come back. But I think that number one, they were supportive because they saw that this idea, and this is what I talk about in the book was, would be crazy, but it wouldn't be stupid. And so I think that's number one is like, how do you bridge the gap between stupid and crazy? Well, I think you make a plan, you save up. I also had a very good off ramp, you know, so to speak, to use your lingo of like, once I kind of got to playing the tour and traveling the world, I could use that as an experience and really a pivot point to go to the next thing and to the next thing. And so they knew that it wasn't like I was saying, I have no plan. I have no idea when I'm going to come back. And I'm just going to say like, you know, guns blazing, let's give this a try. Like that would be stupid. But but the crazy version is I'm going to train. I'm going to join the pro squash tour. I'm going to try to get my ranking up nights and weekends. I'm going to save up. I'm going to tell everyone I know, hey, I'm going to go represent the United States of America in this sport abroad. And I'm going to give it a few months. And then I'll have like those open doors when I come back. Like that feels less scary. So they were, I think that's an instance of getting aligned with family members and people you trust to kind of and, and there's someone else in the book who kind of talks about it. it's not about permission. It's about support. It's not saying, will you let me do this? It's saying, can you support me? So that's a big piece. And then I think the reason I wrote the book was kind of, I wanted to find all those other people. The book was a collection of stories that I originally went out to seek 
for myself. I was like, who else has left the path to do something they cared about? Because I wanted to find that group. You know, there's that saying, you're the average of the five people you spend all your time with and whatnot. Like I wanted to find five out of five people who were, took jumps. Because if you find the five people who didn't, you're not going to jump most likely. And there were naysayers. There are people, I remember there's a guy that I met professionally who was like, how could you leave your place in line? And I'm like, is that really what life is? Is that what my career is, is to stand in line? But at the time, I'm like, maybe he's right, you know, and maybe maybe this is very, you know, entitled and privileged and totally ignorant and naive to like to give it all up. Um, but fortunately, I had the honest, candid conversations with the other people who have jumped, which, by the way, like that's it's not all roses and you know roses and, and rainbows. It's kind of like hearing their kind of real like stories and hardships and adversity and when jumps don't work and that goes into the last phase of the book of don't look back like when things don't go what you you know as planned how do you move forward and ultimately that was the kind of conviction i needed it wasn't just the up and to the right success stories it was like i went it wasn't what i thought it was still worth doing that gave me conviction but i would just tell anyone i mean if you're trying to change your life in a meaningful way and it feels like you're coloring outside the lines Find other people who have come before you and done that, not to like convince you, but just to balance it out. Because the the average person at your company might say you're crazy and you should be able to say, yeah, I'm crazy, but it's not stupid. But to feel that way, you have to surround yourself with the right community. You have to go seek out those people. And oftentimes they're they're invisibly all around you, but you don't necessarily know that. And so have those conversations, get the variety, really like create a support system because that's what you need. Well, and it's, you know, I, I, you made a great point there, but it's like where you're getting your advice from. It's kind of, you know, it's yeah. like the man in the arena speech. Like, are, are there are there the folks up in the crowd that are yelling at you? Or is it actually people that have done this before and they could share the good and bad, right? Because everyone's story is a little bit different. Um, and totally. And just to put a pin on that, listen, I, I'm not, maybe there's more money that I could have made or more success in a lot of ways in that job had I could have stayed there or not ever done something different. Aside from the fact that that wasn't what I was ever going to do, because I'm my own person living my own life, and those were the choices I made to leave, and that was just my, that was kind of my truth in a way, so to speak. The things that have happened to me professionally since, which is what I get to talk about when I get to go back and speak at schools, and, I, and, and what I tell people I talk to all the time, the, the opportunities that have come my way professionally since, in finance, in business, have actually come from the fact that I colored outside the lines early on, that I took those risks. So rather than it being a negative detractor kind of blotch, it was actually the opposite. I got further and faster towards the things I really wanted to do because I kind of listened to what my jump was and I made it. Again, I don't know the counterfactual. I don't know what life would have looked like had I not jumped, but I say all this because I think people think that it means it's you're giving up your professional ambitions if you do something risky. In my case, I think it actually enhanced it, and I, I don't think I'm the outlier. I think that's the case with a lot of situations. Yeah. Well, and it, if you use that experience as an opportunity to kind of go to your next jump, because obviously, like writing the book and the stuff you're doing is kind of another jump and another jump, right? I mean, these are these are different things that you wouldn't have. And if we talked ten years ago. You're not writing a book. Or 15 no. years ago, you're like, book, I'm working at Bain. Like, I got this. You know, it's like, so I think that's, well, and it's so cool too. Like, obviously, we're fortunate because we can have this discussion here. It's like, I started the podcast, you know, what, gosh, it's been over five years ago now. You know, you'll be up to like 340 or something. And 
you decided to make the jump and do the book. And all of a sudden we're able to intersect in life where you and I would probably have never talked before. And that's kind of the, I always look at the cool opportunities like that of like, Hey, everyone's on their different path, but somehow we interweaved and, and somehow connected together because of some interesting connection point that we had right around this oh, book and the podcast. Oh. So it's kind of funny. We're like, if you didn't do that, you're just kind of, not that you're not going to have a good life, but is it going to be as exciting and interesting and curious and, you know, exuberant, insert any other word, if you're not doing things that really fill you up, you know? Totally. And all, again, like I, I, I can't stress how true that is. Like you only go through life once and there's this, uh, there's a video called to Sonder. It's like a kind of a fictitious phrase that, is we can put it in the show notes. I guess it's a YouTube video that I love. I adore this video. And it basically is this kind of video that two minutes long. And it's kind of like, it shows you that it's, it's about the realization. Exactly. Like you said that you live a life that goes on one specific small path in the whole world. And you think that your highs and lows and dreams and worries and hardships and fears and hopes, all that stuff is unique to you, but like everyone else is, living worlds with all of those ups and downs and sideways and this and that. And you just know a handful of those because you pinball off them in your life and everyone else's background noise. And so how wonderful to take a jump where you can actually find yourself on a zoom with this guy, Brian, five years after you started your podcast, 10, 15 years after I started thinking of jumping four and a half, five and a half years after the book came out, like that's what makes life interesting is if you can kind of break out from that. And that's goes to the third phase of the jump, which is to let yourself be lucky. Like, it, I never, ever thought that I would leave this, go play squash and then write a book. Never. What happened was I left to go play squash. My last email I got from my friend Corey Griffin at work was like, hey, go do your thing. But remember, you told me you were going to write this crazy, this book, which I wasn't really going to write. I kind of just was joking with him one day and he kept me honest on it. And then Corey tragically passed away uh, two months later. And I, in honoring in trying to honor Corey and his legacy, I messaged his brother and sister. And I was like, I want to finish this project for Corey. And they said, we, we said, they said, we'd be honored, go for it. And so when to jump, it came like my, my next jump as I was playing squash was my nights and weekends was thinking about how do I honor my friend? How do I get this out? I don't want to just finish the tour and get a job. I want to get this out in the world. And I was like, going to be thrilled if I got it to be a blog. I got rejected countless times by editors of books. And then, you know, by just grit and hook and by crook, I, I got an agent who took a chance on me. And then we ended up going to market and getting publishers interest. And then they got to an auction and we used that to bootstrap my business around creating a media platform on when to jump. And then the book came out and like all these things happened that became my next jump. But none of that was something, again, it goes back to the unknown. All of that was like not even in the realm of possibility to me, you know, a year earlier sitting at my desk. All I knew was sitting at my desk was that I didn't know what would happen three months afterwards. And I was right about that, but I had no idea what would happen. And so that's like that magic of the unknown. Like that's the crazy thing. I'm not saying that'll be the same for everyone, but largely it's that unknown that gives you some turn and twist that you think, gosh, thank goodness I jumped. What are, uh, are do you have any unknowns right now? Is there anything you're working on or you're, you're like, I don't know what's going to happen here. Anything specific projects or anything? Yeah, I, I, um, it's still kind of somewhat under wraps, but I'm, I have a huge uh, surreal professional opportunity that, um, that is in many ways, the culmination of all of my life steps to here and okay. career steps. It's with someone who's known me super well and has been a friend and a mentor and has seen me 
in professional settings and squash settings and when to jump settings and coming back. And so that's like, I feel like I'm about to get to start on my life's work ahead. Oh, and wow. that's you know, something I can share more on later on. Um, yeah, but it's very exciting, you know. Yeah, it's always fun. And I'm sure there's a lot of, are, do, you, do you find like similar nerves and excitement from when you're going to go play squat? Like, is there like, ah, is this going to be a good thing? Is it not? Nah, I got to say no to other stuff. Like, I'm kind of curious oh, totally. about the, the mental. Yeah, I think that <laughs> what I feel about that is like that good, it's like getting on court with squash or with any sport for all those who are athletes out there or, or performers, musicians, ballerinas, like anytime you're kind of stepping up and kind of betting on yourself, I think it's a very it's an enthralling feeling because you've got, it's, it's, you're nervous, but it's like nervous in a good way. And for me, I find that that's when things have always really blossomed, whether it's through squash or through writing when to jump. It's like when people give me that chance and they're like, all right, go deliver, you know, deliver on court or deliver with this book deal. We're going to give you an advance, go write a book. Those, those times are when I feel most, um, uh, I think most, responsible and and invigorated and capable of of delivering because i'm able to kind of contribute to something bigger than just myself yeah. you know bigger than just myself with squash like represent the us and play for dartmouth before then and and with the book was like i really want to just get this message out and i think that feeling of being a little bit having those nerves is actually a really good feeling yeah well i took a lot away from this book i know a lot of other folks were and just more like the the thing that actually helped me I didn't have this word in my mind until I think I started this book. I think I emailed you. Like I was only like two chapters in. I'm like, I got to get you on the podcast. <laughs> um, but is it something I've been thinking about a lot over the last handful of months is delayed gratification. Like going back to the financial security piece or, you know, the people's opinions or all this stuff is like, I don't have to jump tomorrow, but do I have a plan in place? Do I have something that's inspiring me to do it in the next couple months or six months or 12, but whatever it ends up being, right? It could be two years. But am I doing little things to get me down the road and not letting kind of other thoughts or even sometimes the comparison bias? We see other people, oh, they're way ahead of us. I'm never going to get there. You know, using delayed gratification as almost a tool, at least I have. I don't know if you agree with that, but use that as a tool to say, I have some things I want to do. I don't have to do it tomorrow, but I do have to make small steps to go toward that path. And that, I think, could help people at least move in the right direction versus being in a stalemate. Totally. A hundred percent. And I think that goes counter to what we see and read in our pop culture and social media of like, you know, move to Bali, get rich quick on TikTok. Like I, I'm not on TikTok. I don't know how that exactly works, but there's me a lot neither. Of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's a different generation, but it's like, you know, there's a lot of, um, in, there's a lot of emphasis on like instant gratification. And in many ways, my book is all about like the slow and steady one step at a time. And I, I truly believe like it can be as little as a few minutes a day, but you do it every day and that stuff compounds. It's like savings and interest. Like you get compounded interest when you put some money away and it builds over time. Like a jump is no different. So start with that little nugget and like, you know, kind of nurture it and it will grow. But it goes counter to what we hear about of like, you know, the immediate get rich quick or be happy, move to Bali, everything works out. Like I think what I called it in the book is like, that's, there's these 10,000 unsexy steps that go into making a jump. And I believe fully, if you're willing to invest in each of those steps, which means a little more elbow grease, a little more grit, a little more hustle before school on the weekends at night, 
I don't doubt there's people that have you know much more extenuating circumstances financially, socially, otherwise than I do. But I do believe from meeting a lot of those people who have jumped that it's possible to make it. You just have to delay that gratification and be able to take one step forward and then another step uh, and build up that that movement from stupid to crazy. Mike, anything else you want to share to the audience? Any Anything else on your mind about jumping or anything around that? I think like you kind of nailed it earlier with that, like jumps lead to other jumps. And I sit, I stand here, sit here on this interview day of what, February 27th, 2023. And I'm, it's five years and a month since the book came out. And I get to hear from people all the time who have jumped, but also like my own jump has taken new forms and piv, you know, jumps lead to other jumps in the sense that zigzags are possible. And I believe that more now than ever than taking a jump really is can be really when, when kind of thoughtfully developed is a powerful, powerful like tool for your life and for your career. Yeah. Well, Mike, that's been a lot of fun. Where can everyone, where's the website? Where, where do you spend? You're not on TikTok. What are any other social circles that you uh, yeah, swim yeah, yeah. in? Um, the website, when to jump.com. The book is called when to jump. If the job you have isn't the life you want, uh, you can get off Amazon and wherever books are sold. Um, you know, you can definitely reach out through the website, whentojump.com, and someone likely me will end up reading it. So we'd love to hear from folks. And um, I really appreciate you having me on, Brian. I think it's an awesome jump that you've had. I think it's a great audience and community that you've 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 really nurtured and grown. And it's like I said, this is why I feel really lucky to have had the jump I had is to to put this out in the world. So would appreciate if people check it out and if it feels like it speaks to them, and would love to hear from you if it does. Awesome, Mike. Well, thank you so much for joining, man. This was a lot of fun and uh, hopefully it'll help a lot of folks. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, everyone. And just one more quick thing before you head off on your day. If you're enjoying this podcast and are looking for other resources and tools to help you get started and move forward toward a happier and more fulfilling life, then I'd encourage you to head over to my website, brianondraco.com, and hit the subscribe button in the upper right corner. There you can find my newsletter and blog subscriptions where I share insights and information around getting unstuck, perspective, mindset, relationships, habits, and much more. If you get a chance to sign up, I hope you enjoy. Thanks again for listening in and have a phenomenal day.